addendum to the handout. And uh, if you guys need them, they are back there on the, uh, the uh, sound booth. There should be uh, the regular handout and the, uh, the addendum. The addendum says, uh, calf, addendum, help, hope for the saints. So um, Psalm 119, verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, when wilt thou comfort me? Um, for I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me, which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness. So shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. So um, in the, uh, the addendum that you, that you have, we went over the first page last week. Well, first of all, let me just catch us up where we are on the regular handout. So we are on page, page five, I think it is. No, page four. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. So um, okay, I'm sorry, I'm still getting caught up. <laughs> So we're in the middle of verse uh, 6, the faithfulness of God's ways. Psalm 119, verse 86, all thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. If you haven't found out by now that Brett needs prayer, now you know. <laughs> I can hardly find where I am on my own notes. <laughs> Too much scribbling. So on this handout that is in addition, that, that's an addition to what we just looked at on that regular handout, we looked at yesterday or last week, um, uh, this is again verse 86 all the commandments are faithful they persecute me wrongfully help thou me so we looked at the first part which is they persecute me wrongfully and uh, letter a is better that better than revenge is to take it to the Lord trust in him and love our enemy and letter B we don't have to try and right the wrongs done to us which is what we're al always tempted to do someone wrongs us when we desire is to set them right and uh, and get them back or whatever because we have direct access to God's throne and a child's right to plead to our Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. And uh, let her see, all thy commandments are faithful, help thou me. And so we looked at Proverbs twenty-two, seventeen through 21, and uh, verse 19, it's there in your notes, that thy trust may be in the Lord. I have made known to thee uh, this day, even to thee, have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. And so again, our desire is always to, if someone speaks to me wrongly, they, 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 they are rude to me, they're, they're uh, specifically trying to tear me down, our desire is to, is to get them back, or to, uh, at the very least straighten them out. And I don't think it's wrong to necessarily say the tr what the truth is, if someone lies about you, but we have to be careful about how we do it. But, but specifically, this passage is saying, that I, uh, that I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. And we mentioned last week that, you know, that's good for everyone. No matter what your challenge is you're facing, whether someone is persecuting you, or whether they're slandering you, or whether they're, uh, they're questioning uh, why you believe the way you believe as a Christian, and we're facing that more and more in our days. But uh, whatever it is, God has the answer, and he speaks to us 
and gives us the answer to answer others. And the, 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 it's very important for us to focus on the fact that God helps us answer them. You know, and when we answer in the flesh, when people attack us, listen, we're only making things worse, dramatically sometimes, by responding in any kind of fleshly way. So if someone attacks you, the very first response should be prayer. Even an inner prayer, even a quick Lord help, I think is a good prayer. <laughs> You'll remember Peter when he got out from the boat and uh, he was walking on the water, but he got his eyes on the winds and the waves and he began to sink and he said, Lord, save me. Folks, that's, <laughs> that's, you know, that's not an unspiritual prayer because it's not 10 minutes long. <laughs> it's a very good prayer. And anytime we're being attacked and we know that we need to respond in a, in a Christ-like manner, then the best thing any of us can do is immediately pray, say, Lord, help me to have the right answer here. And folks, if God doesn't give you anything, then you might ought to just be quiet. That's good advice for all of us sometimes, is just to be quiet. And so anyway, uh, I uh, read a devotion earlier today where uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Spurgeon's morning and evening, and, and it said uh, in Psalm 31, verse 4, Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. And I thought that fit right along with what we're talking about today. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. And I think that speaks to someone can be very sneaky trying to set you up and, you know, act like we're all friends in public and in, and in front of people, but privately they're trying to lay a trap for you. In one way or another, verbally or whatever, maybe they're just running you down, but they're being nice to your face. Listen, it's none of, nothing is hid from God. That's something we have to constantly remind ourselves. God is the one that you and I are living in front of. You know, I think a lot of times we're worried about maybe even not, not necessarily a pride thing. We're just, you can't help but default to what people think. What, what are people going to think if I just let that go? If we could divorce ourselves from being worried about what people will think and concern ourselves with only with God knows this matter. And he knows it better than I know it. <laughs> All I know is what I heard you say to me, or what you did to me. And so if we respond only in that way, without engaging the Lord, getting his help, and responding in the best way, in the right way. And uh, so it's very important for us to understand that God sees all, and he sees perfectly. And so for us to engage immediately with the Lord and say, Lord, help me, to respond in the right way to their attacks or to their, to, to their abuse, whatever it is. And so I have this note. Now I have several notes here that I'm going to give you tonight because I could not make myself give you yet another handout. <laughs> A handout to the handout of the handout. That would be bad. So my note here is that the Lord helps, and, and this is again back to the thought of, um, of uh, they persecute me wrongfully. Let's see. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. So we're getting to the help part. Uh, the help is the response to, to they persecute me wrongfully. And so my note is, the, the Lord helps in many ways regarding deliverance in trouble and persecution. But we don't know what form the answers will take. But we are assured of help, peace, strength, wisdom, according to God's will. And so let me repeat that. The Lord helps in many ways regarding deliverance in trouble and persecution but we don't know what, the form, what form the answers will take. But we are assured of help, peace, strength, wisdom, 
according to God's will. And, and, and I wish we had time, we'd go there. But if you'd like to turn to 1 Samuel 1 and read 1 and even 2, I think it would really shed a lot of light on this subject alone. Uh, because in, in 1 Samuel 1 and 2, you have Hannah, who is the wife of a, of, a, of a faithful man. He's a godly man in Israel. His name is Elkanah, and he had two wives, Penina, I think, or Penina, and um, Penaniah, I can't remember, <laughs> and Hannah. And Penaniah had children, and Hannah did not have children. She could not have children. And uh, the Bible says very clearly that she persecuted Hannah. She day by day attacked her. And basically, obviously, you can, you can tell what the tenor of the words were. She demeaned her. Listen, in that day and age, if you could not provide children, then, you know, your, your place in society was severely diminished. Now, Akana treated her well. And, uh, and for that matter, it's, it's almost funny that Elkanah would say to her, why do you go around and you're so sad? Don't I treat you better than ten sons? <laughs> and it's very typical of a man who just doesn't understand. <laughs> uh, so day by day, she's being persecuted by the other wife. And so she takes this matter to the Lord. They, they go up to Jerusalem, and there they're, uh, they're bringing the sacrifice. They're doing, uh, the, again, Elkanah is a faithful man. And so there, she brings her petition to the Lord. And she is praying, and she's speaking to herself but her mouth is moving and Eli the high priest at the time he marks her and he thinks she's drunk and he has two un very unfaithful sons who are priests so it's kind of kind of interesting that he would he would say something to her but he does he says well how long will you be drunk and put away thy wine and she says I'm not a daughter of Belial my heart I'm pouring out my heart to God and Eli says well God grant you your petition and so the Bible says very immediately her spirit was lifted and right away, God opened up her womb, and she had Samuel, and she made a promise to God that uh, she, would, uh, she would dedicate him to the Lord, and that's what happened. She weaned him and brought him back to Eli, and Eli, and, and Eli uh, raised him from that point, and Samuel served the Lord. And then after that, you know, and that's what you see in chapter 2, she has this wonderful praise that she, that she uh, lifts to God. And, uh, and then God blesses her again, and she has five children. Now, here's my point, is, is that example is, is a very, I think, a very wonderful example of turning to God, trusting in God. Now, the Bible does not give us any way in which Hannah spoke to Penaniah. No, no example at all. And it's something that's very important for us to recognize is our response to others. There doesn't always have to be a response. You see, if you put your matter in God's hands and you trust him with it, God knows how to take care of the matter. What if God had not answered her prayer? Was God still faithful? Yes. Here's the point. These things, the Bible says in the New Testament, these things are recorded for our admonition and learning. The reason why they're here is for us to partake of it and recognize, well, that, that, is, that is showing right there that God is faithful. God told Abraham that he would have a son, but he did not see that request for many years fulfilled. And there are so many in the Bible that have come in times of great need, desperate need. And yet, before the story is done being told, the answer is as plain as could be, God is faithful. Often, Listen, folks, mark this down. Please, if you don't get everything else, get, please get this. God is always faithful. 
But there's a whole lot of the time is required for us to wait. Wait and see how the matter plays out. Our place is to have faith and confidence and trust in God. I feel like that's a great deal of what the focus of Psalm 119 is. To teach our hearts to have faith and trust and confidence in God in the midst of persecution or in the midst of troubling times, in the midst of situations that we have no power to change. Listen, that fits pretty much all of us. Even if it's not right now, it's going to be soon. <laughs> if it's not right now, it might, might have been yesterday, it might have been last week, it might be next week. Very rarely do we get to see times of blessed peace and contentment and quiet. Our lives weren't designed for that, folks. And thank God for when God gives us that anyway. But listen, the Bible couldn't be clearer that our lives were designed to shine in the midst of trouble. Listen, you don't shine outside of trouble. <laughs> Not like you do when you're in it. And so when it comes, we learn, there's places in the New Testament where it mentions being, being ready to praise God in tribulation. How about the person who's on a hospital bed and says, I cannot thank God enough, he's faithful, and he loves me, and he's going to see me through this. Doesn't their praise mean more than the person just walking out of church on a sunny day? Yes, it does. Because their faith is in God, and it's not dependent upon their circumstances. Listen, folks, if we're not in it today, we're going to be in it soon. One way or another, our place is to teach our hearts and our minds to respond in the right way, whether it's persecution or trouble or trial or whatever it is. And again, I think that's, that's a focus of what Psalm 119 is about in many ways. So letter D here on the second page, the help. This is the help when, when he says, they persecute me wrongfully, help thou me. And listen, God never turns away the prayer. We mentioned that last week. He never turns away the prayer. But sometimes the answer just isn't what we were expecting. <laughs> so no, letter I underneath D is, the scripture teaches us to expect help. And the help we are given and are assured of is often within. And again, a lot of times we are praying to God about something that's being done to me. That, that's what this, this passage is about, persecution. Okay, this isn't about me waking up sick or not feeling well. This is about persecution. This is about somebody who has turned against me and they're, they're working against me. Now listen, again, <laughs> we have to understand is the Bible does not give a promise of immediate deliverance from our prayers. But God is hearing and answering those prayers. And uh, so the scripture teaches us to expect help. And the help we are given and are assured of, are assured of often is within. So number one, the strength and wisdom of God for every situation. Uh, turn with me in Isaiah chapter 40. I really want you to see this. This is, a, this is a familiar verse, I think, for a lot of us. But Isaiah chapter 40, in verse uh, 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. He giveth them, to them that have no might. I'm sorry. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall fail and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. 
But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And you know, this, this, this passage is on a lot of plaques in the Christian bookstore. And it's on a lot of pictures in our houses. And that's good. Listen, folks, this is a wonderful passage. It should be. It should be everywhere. It should be. But listen, what's the context? Someone without strength, without help, without power, and they find themselves in desperate need. The Bible is teaching in this passage that in that situation, when you go to God, you are going to get help. You're going to get strength. You're going to get peace. You're going to get what you need in those circumstances. Uh, you know, I've been saying over and over and over, you may not get the answer to prayer you're looking for, but let me tell you, just like Albie said a, a few minutes ago, like many of us say, I have seen God work. I have seen Him pick me up in a desperate moment. And there's been times, and there's just so many different ways. I don't want to turn this into my testimony time, like my, my, my teachings often do. <laughs> but listen, there have been times where God picked me up immediately and rescued me, delivered me, helped me. And there have been times where I could take the prayer to God, it's the 20th, 100th, or, or, or 500th time that I've prayed about it. God is faithful all the time. Sometimes what He gives us is hope for the moment. Not the answer, not the deliverance that you need or that you're asking for, but hope. Hope for the moment. Mentioned last week that in Revelation, the saints, that were their lives were taken from them during the tribulation period, and, uh, and they're under God's throne, and they're saying, how long, Lord, will you not execute vengeance on those that did this to us? And He says, wait a little while. In heaven! <laughs> in heaven, they're being told to wait a little while. How about us with our less than perfect understanding, our less than perfect viewpoint? Folks, we got to wait sometimes. It's something that God wants us to get, Brother Albert. And you know, in the middle of the storm, it's the fear, it's the frustration, it's the, you know, those are the things that are driving us to the throne. God may not resolve the situation, but just like you said, he might give you peace in the middle of the storm. Because, listen, God has an answer for all, the entire problem. But right now, where you are, the answer sometimes that he gives is peace or quiet. Okay, so, uh, and I, I also think this is a very... Very exciting passage, because last night as I was looking over this again, I was, think, I was thinking about, you know, it says, He giveth power to the faint. How faint do you think is the passage talking about, the Scripture? How faint do you think he's talking about? Turn with me, you got to see this, okay? Turn to Ezekiel, and you, you might be familiar with this passage too, but it's, it's very fitting, I think. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. This is the prophet Ezekiel being brought of God. To this place. He says in Ezekiel 37, verse 1 The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley, which is full of bones. 
and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> yeah, I, I just love the way God asks questions of man in the Bible sometimes. Son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> now before you say, hey, that's a nice passage, what would you say if God brought you to a valley filled with dead men's bones? Now, Maybe our faith wouldn't be quite so challenged if it was outside of Lazarus's pit. Maybe he just swooned. Maybe we can, you know, get, get the guy some CPR and he'll be okay. <laughs> but these are dead men's bones. And they've been dead a long time. God's question to Ezekiel is, Son of man, can these bones live? <laughs> Let me tell you, Ezekiel's pretty smart. He says, and, and I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. <laughs> to me, I've always seen that as, there ain't no way those bones can live, but hey, you're God. <laughs> if you want the bones to live, I guess they'll live. <laughs> o, God, o Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to, uh, to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So here's Ezekiel. God brought him to this valley filled with dead dry bones. And then he says, folks, this is so awesome. Preach to the bones. <laughs> preach to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. Ezekiel is a godly man. He, he's an obedient man. So he, okay. <laughs> Listen, folks, it's situations like this that God likes to put us into where you look at it from human eyes and, folks, there's just no way. This is a bad situation. How could it possibly be solved? God specifically brought Ezekiel and put him there. And said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Lord, you know. Preach to the bones and say to them, I'm going to lay sinews on you and I'm going to breathe life into you and you will live. So it says, so I, verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's just me reading into it. So I did what I was told. I preached to the bones. <laughs> Come on now, that's funny. <laughs> How would you like that, Pastor? Have nothing but bones laying in these pews and preaching to them. <laughs> uh, okay, Pastor knows. That's why I got a good laugh out of him. Because <laughs> sometimes you just don't know what's going on. Okay, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them. And the skin covered them above, and there was no breath, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Now, let me just pause here. I don't know how uh, Ezekiel preached the first time to the bones. <laughs> but can you imagine preaching to the bones, prophesying to the bones, and they start shaking and come together 
and sinews start piling on them and flesh starts coming. And you're like, wow, it's happening. Exactly what God said is happening. And then God says, preach to the wind, Ezekiel. At this point, Ezekiel has seen this. Don't you think his next preaching was probably a little bit more different? A little bit more excited? I can almost hear Ezekiel, wind! <laughs> and just bellowing it out, wind, come and fill these, these men's bodies. Make them alive! <laughs> That's how I see it. I don't know if it happened or not. <laughs> it thus saith the Lord, amen. Okay, so prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they lived and stood up, stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Who made them a great army? Without question, they didn't do it. God made them a great army. And you know, as this, this passage came to my mind as I was looking at Isaiah 40, he giveth power to the faint. Now listen, it doesn't matter where you are today. <laughs> or where I am today, or where we will be tomorrow. And it doesn't matter how down you feel, how overcome with fear, worry, anxiety. This goes right, right along with what Justin was saying earlier. It doesn't matter how down you feel, or how impossible the need is. Listen, you're not going to beat this. You're not going to find a more situation impossible than Ezekiel's situation where God told him, Preach to these bones. But what if you're the bones? Listen, folks. <laughs> this passage, I don't, I don't think of it, I don't think it's meant to be taken strictly as allegory. In other words, I don't think it was just a vision. Listen, folks. Before Christ came into my life and came into your life, all of us were every bit as dead as those dry bones. And, and don't, don't get me wrong, I don't, again, I don't think this is meant to be taken, taken strictly as allegorical. I think God can do exactly what he said he did, or what, what this passage records here in Ezekiel 37. The Bible says, he giveth power to the faint. And here's my point. You can't come to a place where God can't help. There's not a place where you can say to God, and listen, this is something Satan likes to do. He likes to put you in a bad case and then tell you how bad it is. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your bad scenario is your fault. Because I have been there. I've been there more times than I care to tell you. You've made a bad choice, and it's bad. Things played out bad. And now you're in a mess. And you can't get yourself out. Or maybe you were walking with God, trying to do exactly what God told you to do, and then everything still went sideways. It doesn't matter where you are. God expects His children to come to Him and trust in Him. And He giveth power to the faint. God expects us to take our need to him and trust him in it. And the thing is, is, again, you read Ezekiel 37. You read Isaiah 40. 
These aren't just really church stuff. This is the truth. This is the bedrock truth of existence on planet Earth. We need God, and we need Him desperately. Once you have God, you have the God of the universe in your heart, in your life, in your mind, and He's ready to work. Our problem is, is we don't often have faith, or even if you, even if you have Christ and you, you know that He is the answer, we don't go to Him. That's Christians' problems in America today. We don't go to Him. Or maybe we go to Him and we just don't believe He's going to do anything. Not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm pretty sure a lot of us have been there. Maybe all of us. You pray, but you don't expect God to do anything. Listen, He giveth power to the faint. You know that what it says there, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. A lot of times we think, if I was just a little bit smarter, if I was just a little bit younger, that's one of the things I think these days, <laughs> if I was just a little younger, if I, was, if I had just these circumstances instead of these, then I could do better with this. Listen, folks, that scenario is not the answer. The answer is to go to God from where you are and trust in Him. You lay it at His feet, and He is the loving God who is going to send help. That's what this passage is about. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. The sin on our part is we say, help thou me, but inside, and maybe with a little help from Satan, is that God's not going to help. He's not going to do anything. I'm going to have to face this problem on my own. Brother Albie. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah right yeah what brother Alby's talking about is in, uh, in Acts uh, uh, James was killed uh, and, uh, and so Peter was taken prison Herod was going to kill him uh, next I, I, I don't know what he was going to do but it, it was looking bad and the Bible says there was prayer without ceasing for Peter prayer without ceasing and so you know miraculously an angel comes and everybody's asleep, so, so asleep they can't wake up. And his chains fall off. I, I, I love the Bible says that the angel smote him on his side. I, I think he kicked him. I don't know. <laughs> and says, get up. And so, you know, Peter thinks he's in a vision. Even Peter, even Peter doesn't think it's real. <laughs> he thinks it's a vision. And he goes and he follows the angel out. And they go out of the city and the angel just leaves. You know, that happens all the time in the scriptures. Angels deliver the message and they're gone. There's no preamble. There's no discussion about it. They give you the message and they're gone. <laughs> and I think it's because our, our faith and our hope is supposed to be in God. It's not supposed to be in the celebration of the angels. It's in God. But anyway, Peter goes immediately to the brethren and he knocks on the door. And, and I think it's Rhoda that answers. And, uh, and I, did she open the door? I don't know. If, did she, she did open the door. Is that right, Pastor? Uh, and, and so anyway, whatever the case is, she left there. She, I think she shut the door again and went back and told him, and they didn't believe him. They didn't believe her. 
<laughs> and they said, it's his ghost, man. <laughs> and then Peter eventually made his way in. But it was, it was after some discussion. Yeah, we are apt to not believe. We're apt to, for, to, to, to believe anything else first. Listen, God wants us to be strong in faith. The Bible talks about Abraham, I think it's in Romans chapter 4. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Listen, folks, when our faith is strong and we say God is going to come through, God is going to come through, and even in situations where it's not the answer that we were looking for, it's because God knows best all the time. All the time. Our place is to have confidence in Him and trust in Him. So, that, so number one, the strength and wisdom of God for every situation. And so we looked at Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, and then letter B, James 1 through 5, 1, 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know, folks, there are so many rock-solid promises in the Bible. This is one of them. If any of you lack wisdom, in other words, have you ever come to the place where you just didn't know what to do? Well, I think that's everybody. <laughs> it's been me more times than I can count. I just don't know what to do. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. In other words, there's not a man who's being withheld. Or not, not, not you know, you see it in this passage. He's not even told not now. You ask for wisdom. In this matter, give me wisdom, Lord. The Bible says, and upbraideth not. God doesn't correct anybody for asking for wisdom. That's what we're supposed to do. Ask God for wisdom. Next time you're in a jam, maybe before the night is out. <laughs> Lord, I don't know what to do. Help me know what to do. I think we should ask it not the way I just asked it. <laughs> not with anxiousness but with hope, quiet confidence and peace, and expect it. God's going to give it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He giveth liberally. In other words, he doesn't just miserly cut you off a tiny little piece that will be just barely enough for what you need. <laughs> In other words, he goes, chunk. <laughs> Here, have a bunch. Listen, the more you go to God asking for wisdom, the more you're going to grow in Christ. And the more you're going to be changed into His image. The more people will see Christ in you. And folks, I think one of the ways in which they're going to see Christ in us is when we don't panic at the bad news or at the situation. America is, is heading into dark times. It's dark now, it feels like. There's no, no, no place to panic. You know, in the, in the days of the early church, Caesar was hanging Christians up from lampposts outside of Rome, burning them to give light for the roads. We're not there yet. But if we go there, God will give us grace. No matter what it is. If you have to face being killed for the name of Christ. Folks, that's a pretty scary thing. I, don't, don't let me let you think that I'm not scared of something like that. 
To think about that is, is a frightening thing. But God will give us grace. Stephen was martyred for the name of Christ. You know, you don't even have to wait for Stephen to have passed on to eternity to ask him, hey, Stephen, did that play out okay, or do you regret that? There's no place for thinking that Stephen might have regretted his stand for Christ. He's in heaven right now, and he's thankful for the way things played out. I, I don't know he was looking for or hoping to be stoned, but he died in faith. He died in confidence in God. And folks, whether we live or die, that is the way our lives can bring glory to God. Any other thing is going to dishonor him. Our faith and our confidence needs to always be in God. And when we come to him crying for wisdom and for help, then he's going to give it. So number two here in your notes is refuge in Christ is the best kind of strength. Oh, before we, before we go there, 2 Chronicles 16.9, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. 2 Chronicles 16.9, this is to a king who was once a, once a very godly king, but his, he turned his confidence from in the Lord, and, and uh, he hired him, uh, I can't remember exactly who, but he hired uh, another king, and he hired their army to escape. <clears throat> the, uh, the host of the Ethiopians, uh, no, it wasn't the Ethiopians. Anyway, he hired somebody to, to help him fight against uh, the army that he was facing. And God sent him a message. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Let me read that again. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Very clearly that passage is showing he's looking for opportunities to be strong on our behalf. He's looking for opportunities for us to hope and trust in him, and him act on our behalf. Brother Patrick? Yeah. Right. Seeking whom he may devour. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. And so, again, this passage is, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And so if God is looking for opportunities to be strong, listen, folks, it doesn't take, it's not, it's not a leap at all to know that God is going to allow us to come into situations where we are in desperate need. And I think it's, it's fair to wonder if, if, if it's going to be often. <laughs> and listen, the Bible is very clear. He does not put on us more than we can handle. I think that probably means how, more than what we can handle in faith, as well as in strength or wisdom. But here's the point, folks, is very clearly God is going to put us in situations or allow us to come into situations where we need God's help. You know, to have plenty of money in the bank account and never having a challenge, folks, that's not a, that's not a story that gives glory to God. I, you know, I, I'm always thinking about the fact that, you know, when I watch a good movie or read a book or something, I want there to be a hero. I'm just like Justin. I want there to be a Captain America. I want there to be someone who is strong and who leads men into battle. Folks, there's got to be a battle. There's got to be conflict. And yet, we as American Christians, we're spoiled. We want to flee conflict at every possible turn. 
And I'm not saying we should want conflict. I'm, I'm just saying that when it comes, we should not be surprised. We should face it with faith. Courage. Confidence in the Lord. Listen, the reason why we can have courage is because of who God is. I thank God that I have the Word of God to tell me these things. But I, it doesn't stop there. I have my own testimonies of what God has done. I have your testimonies of what God has done. And folks, we need to be praising God every chance we get to encourage each other to have faith and confidence in God every day. Folks, the devil's going to meet every one of us tomorrow morning. And he's going to have some reason why we can forget hoping in God, forget trusting in God, forget faith in God. Because there's this, or there's this, or there's this, or there's this, or there's this. A thousand different reasons why you today, on August 20th of 2020, don't need to trust in God. And God is telling us every day, every moment, trust in God. Hope in God. And I think that, you know, I think that we often default to, if my circumstances are good, I'm good. But that's not true. How many people are living in $60 million mansions today? And they have the car, they have the job, they have the prestige. But they don't know God. Folks, I wouldn't trade places with them. I would not trade places with them. It'd be better to have God and face whatever challenges we have to face than it would be to go through anything, uh, any gold or you know, beautiful circumstances you could name and go through that without Him. It's not just the gate, the gate of eternity that I don't want to face without God. I don't want to face tomorrow without God. I need him. God has taught me that. I, listen, I, I don't want to pretend that I'm something fancy or some super spiritual person, but God has taught me that I need him. And I can forget, just like anybody else can, to, to turn to God and to, trust, to, to lift, lift up my matters and my needs to him. I can forget to do that, but I know I need God. And so God is wanting us to take refuge in him, wanting us to take courage and trust in Him. We're not going to finish tonight. <laughs> no, we're a couple minutes late. Okay. Well, this is plenty to chew on, so we'll go ahead and close right here. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. And we do thank you, Lord, that you are completely worthy for us trusting in. And we thank you, Lord, for teaching us. We thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. And we thank you for all the lives of all these saints that have gone before us. And we've seen your work in their lives and we know that you are faithful. Lord, please help us to take that knowledge and apply it to our own life, that we can have confidence and faith no matter what happens, no matter what cards we're dealt, that we can have trust in you, we can have confidence in you, and, and know that you're going to see us through. We pray that you please bless everyone here tonight. Lord, bless all the needs that were brought in with us. And we pray that you help us, Lord, in, in, uh, in every situation. Please keep us safe, bring us home safe, bring us back at the next time. Be with Ben as he travels. Bless his time away and bring him back safe. And be with all of us in all the prayer requests we mentioned. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.